Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Jack, a relatively healthy 63-year-old patient of yours, is in today and asking about a prescription for testosterone. He just returned from a business trip and read an advertisement on the airline magazine about testosterone boosting his vitality and notes that he feels his, with age, his energy is less, he can't hit the golf ball as far as he used to, and he's tired more often. He has occasional episodes of erectile dysfunction, but his wife isn't complaining. However, those occasions make him feel old and thinks something was wrong. He wonders if testosterone would help. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Dr. Robert Baldor, professor and the founding chair for the Department of Family Medicine at the UMass Medical School Bay State in Springfield, Massachusetts. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Frank. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, testosterone is on every male's mind. It, it's a weekly request from someone about it. Before we get into the details about testosterone deficiency and its replacement, can you talk to us a little bit about normal aging and what happens with testosterone? We do see um, all of us uh, a gradual uh, age-associated decline in, uh, in testosterone levels. And interestingly enough, it turns out we begin to see this at the age of uh, mid-30s. And it starts an average rate of decline about 1% to 2% uh, per year. And this is referred to as the age-related low testosterone. And it can be accompanied by, I say can be accompanied by clinical symptoms associated with androgen uh, deficiency. If you look at this, though, there's absolutely no well-defined criteria out there to sort of say, when do um, uh, 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 levels get to a point where the symptoms adversely affect health? Now, if you look at this, about 20% of men in the United States, greater than 60, will have levels, testosterone levels lower than 320 milligrams per de- nanograms per deciliter, which is sort of the general cutoff people, uh, people use. And uh, by the age of 80, half of the men in the United States, if you uh, look at this, will have that low level. However, the prevalence of what they call syndromic low testosterone, which is having symptoms and a low testosterone, is much lower than those numbers. So what do they say when it's a syndromic low testosterone as a, as a research and look at this? It's defined as having at least three sexual symptoms, poor morning erection, low sexual desire, or erectile dysfunction. So having those three things in the face of a low testosterone all adds up to say that there's, uh, you, you're, you're having uh, syndromic low testosterone. Um, by the way, there's really uncertainty out there about nonspecific signs. There's no clear evidence uh, related to uh, low testosterone and decreases in energy, uh, mood disturbances, uh, depression, decreased libido, uh, and uh, you know facial uh, hair, loss of hair, and so on. Um, and it's unclear how well these relate to uh, testosterone levels. It's not been well worked out. That's that's really um, interesting news, Bob, because I think many people um, look at this as a chemical diagnosis. Oh, we did your blood test. Things are off. We should do something about it rather than it being syndromic. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, how did the ACP address um, what we do with patients? 
Yeah, uh, so I we want to actually talk a little bit about their uh, literature review that they that they did with this, which is really I, I thought excellent. This was a uh, systemic uh, uh, literature review, a systematic review of the literature. They looked at studies going back to 1980 through last spring, and the mesh headings that they use related to testosterone treatment and patient values and preferences. They also looked at it including sexual function, physical function, quality of life, energy and vitality, depression, cognition and then serious adverse effects that they were looking at as, uh, as, as well. So those were the, what they were looking for when they were doing this, uh, this uh, review to come up with their, uh, their guideline. And the evidence uh, review identified 38, actually, uh, randomized controlled trials. The median age across all these studies was uh, 66 years, and follow-up ranged from 6 to 36 uh, months as, uh, as part of it. Most of these studies, the um, baseline testosterone level was less than uh, 300 nanograms per, uh, per deciliter, although some studies had men at a higher uh, level as, uh, as well. Um, many of the studies uh, looked at um, uh, adverse effects, and uh, they really showed no evidence for increased mortality, cardiovascular events, prostate cancer, uh, clotting uh, factors as, um, as part of it. So as I did their study review, they actually had a clinical guidelines committee, and I really liked about this is it was clinicians, as you'd expect, but they also included public members. And they were asked to import, uh, independently rate the importance of the outcomes. The outcomes that, were rated, that they were looking at were patient-based, and again, I really like these ideas that we're moving into this concept of uh, patient-based outcomes that matter uh, as, as we go along. So the outcomes they were looking for were quality of life, erectile function, and cognitive function, looking for benefits in those areas. And then they were looking at serious adverse uh, event, uh, events, and of course, this included cardiovascular, clotting issues, mortality, and prostate cancer. As some secondary outcomes they thought were important, they were looking at energy and vitality, physical function, mood, uh, uh, bone mineral loss, libido, and, and, and uh, lower urinary tract uh, symptoms. So they, they did a very comprehensive approach, it sounds like. They, they, did, they, they, they looked hard and long, not just at hard endpoints, but uh, qualitative endpoints like mood and depression. That, that's really amazing. Um, what did they find? Yeah, I thought this was great as well, you know, to, to look at those, uh, you know, I just focused on the specific urologic issues. But, you know, not surprisingly, Frank, and, and we know this a lot, is that the studies had limited, uh, you know, evidence. And so um, the, there were limited follow-ups. The evidence for long-term uh, benefits and harms was, was lacking. These are all shorter-term uh, studies. But they did show that evidence, uh, men with age-related low testosterone, and again, that was looking at about 300, 320 nanograms uh, per deciliter, less than that, may show small improvements in sexual functioning. However, there's little evidence to no evidence. Uh, there's evidence that's showing little to no improvement in physical function, depression, energy and vitality, or cognition. And evidence for improved quality of life was limited as well, although the studies that did indicate a small benefit uh, to quality of life seemed to be related to improvements in sexual function. I could certainly understand that as a, uh, you know, why that was rated. Anyways, the, <laughs> the evidence for harms is also difficult to, uh, to judge because of the uh, low um, power of the, uh, uh, of the studies. By the way, uh, Frank, I think we're all aware of this. The FDA requires labeling of testosterone products to include a warning about poss possible increased risk for heart attacks and, uh, and, um, and, 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 and strokes. 
as they also looked in their studies at the evidence related to uh, patient values and patient preferences, um, it didn't support the uh, use of testosterone for all patients uh, with uh, age-related testosterone, and it really uh, indicated a need for a shared decision-making uh, process uh, for patients uh, uh, if you're going to uh, think about uh, prescribing a testosterone replacement therapy. Wow. So while it, it makes sense from a physiologic standpoint, uh, their their outcomes were not were not terribly impressive. Uh, on the other hand, it was interesting that uh, there was not an increased risk of cardiovascular events or of um, prostate cancer in men who took testosterone. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't see a strong evidence for that. So, by the way, this is the ACP. By the way, I guess I mean should have preferenced that. This is American College of Physicians. Um, you know, the folks that brought us the Choosing Wisely campaign. This is their uh, recommendations uh, for for testosterone uh, therapy. And uh, let me go through what the recommendations were then after they did that uh, review. The first recommendation was that uh, that uh, clinicians discuss again shared decision making. Discuss whether to initiate testosterone treatment in men with age-related low testosterone with sexual dysfunction who want to improve their sexual function. This is a conditional recommendation, and the discussion should include the potential benefits and harms. So, you know, that's a reasonable recommendation. Two, that you should reevaluate symptoms within 12 months empirically thereafter, and clinicians should discontinue testosterone treatment in men with no improvement in sexual function. So this is one of the things I think that oftentimes we start people on therapy, well, when do you stop it? So it's really great that they actually said, look, if they're not reporting an increase in sexual function, there's not evidence to show other benefits from being long-term on testosterone. So stop it if indeed the, the, the patient isn't reporting an increase in their sexual uh, function. Again, this is a conditional recommendation, but I, I, I thought it was helpful. Uh, the third recommendation was that uh, consider using intramuscular rather than transdermal formulations when initiating uh, testosterone treatment to improve sexual function uh, because the costs are considerably lower with the intramuscular formulation. And if you look at the studies around effectiveness and harms, they're, they're the same. Now, of course, part of the cost around intramuscular doesn't, uh, didn't include the cost of coming into the office and all that, but it turns out you can actually prescribe this and train men to be able to do this at home so they can do their own uh, you know, shot once, uh, uh, once a month, which was, which was, which was pretty, uh, pretty neat. The final recommendation, they suggest that clinicians not initiate testosterone treatment in men with age-related testosterone to improve their energy, their vitality, their physical function, or their cognition. The evidence shows very little or no benefit to treat these common concerns that we have over getting, uh, over, over getting uh, older. And also, we don't have great evidence on what the long-term harms are. So uh, that was very helpful to see that recommendation uh, there. Bob, this is this sheds new light on how we can address this with our patients. It, it brings up a great opportunity to discuss patients' uh, sexual as well as emotional health, and uh, and and it gives us very clear direction. Uh, thank you very very much. This is great, and I'll start using this next week. Yeah, absolutely, Frank. Oh, by the way, Frank, just a quick thing, a caveat on testing. Testosterone levels are highest in the morning, so one should check testosterone in the morning uh, between 7 and 10 a.m. And before making a decision as to whether the level is really low or not and to implement therapy, you probably should just repeat it one of the times to really confirm that you've got a low serum level. Frank, been a pleasure chatting with you again. Take care, Bob. Thank you. Practice pointer. 
not all men with low levels of serum testosterone will need or benefit from testosterone replacement therapy. The best evidence supports a shared decision-making approach to prescribe such a replacement for men who also have sexual dysfunction. Join us next time when we talk about how to help patients live a long, healthy, and disease-free life. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.